0: years of vicious gossip, years of ugly rumors. Now, the vicious, ugly truth can be told.
1: Well, I'm sure I'd feel much worse if I weren't under such heavy sedation.
2: Hello, you're listening to Soundings. Thanks for downloading the podcast. I'm Dylan Hoskins.
3: And I'm Lisa Hannigan.
2: And in a world first for soundings We're delighted to have with us The multi-talented husband-wife partnership Of Harry Shearer and Judith Owen For all of the show Um, I say multi-talented because, As well as voicing about a third of the characters In The Simpsons Harry's a comedian with his own syndicated radio show Called Le Show based in New Orleans He's written some books He's directed and acted in loads of films Probably most famously playing Derek Smalls In This Is Spinal Tap And he's had multiple Grammy nominations as a musician and yet you still find time to run a nuclear power station.
0: <laughs> well, one must, must not one? <laughs> the
2: downside to having loads of, loads of things done on your CV is you get long-winded
0: introductions like that. That's okay, then I have to speak less.
2: What do you put on, the, uh, you put on like an insurance form when, uh, you when, when you're I,
0: doing occupation? Actually, when it's uh, the landing card to come into the, yeah. to, uh, Britain. Entertainer. Easy. You know, I, a, a tribute to the old uh, Peter Sellers uh, sketch. I don't know if you know it. Uh, with Twit Conway.
4: These people are much too I know, check it out. Like that. This is ridiculous. I'm recommending you <laughs> check it out.
0: <laughs> Peter Sellers plays an interviewer from the BBC who's going to interview a young rock star who's a young Cockney lad and his uh, manager who's... And he does all the voices. <laughs> and uh, in answer to one of the questions uh, the rock star has to be instructed by his manager. The answer to this is I want to be... Right. I want to be an all-round... Right, an all-round entertainer. So, Entertainer is short for an all-round entertainer.
2: (laughs) Well, brilliant. Hopefully you have an entertaining show uh, in store. We're going to be talking with Harry about his work and putting some of the questions that you've asked us to ask him via our Twitter account at SoundingsPod. And in keeping with the general vibe of the podcast, Harry and Judith have picked out some cultural sounds and happenings for us. Plus, we're going to be having a bit of a sing-song at the end of the show. And my gift to you all is that I'm not going to join in. Oh! So, so let's get started, <laughs> shall we? This is Soundings.
3: I'm not doing a jingle in front of Harry Shearer. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we do a crap jingle. You uh-huh. I like
3: your style. Normally I do a very crap jingle. Um, and I just, I, I'm not prepared to, uh, to embarrass myself. Aww. I'm sorry.
2: You're both over here for a Christmas concert, which you're doing on the 30th of November in the Leicester Square Theatre. What's the vibe with this? It started out in your own house over in LA. It was a warm house and now you're... Well, a few thousand miles away here in freezing well, London.
4: I, okay, but honestly, isn't that the the vibe that we want at Christmas time? Is freezing and, and just grey with with big balls hanging in the water. Excuse and, me. Uh, thank you. In in Covent Garden, they're the most enormous um, balls. Thank you. Christmas balls you've ever seen hanging Huge. and uh, hu- I mean ridiculous. Thank you very much. Low hanging as well. <laughs> it's my pleasure. Thank you. And um, it's when I when we were in, uh, living in Santa Monica, I it feels like you're living in paradise, and yet it was the worst imaginable to me. Uh, atmosphere for Christmas, it's just wrong. You it know, was sunny be... and warm, she couldn't yes. stand it. No, you can't have that. It was heaven. So, I, I what I was missing was the drizzle and the depression, the grey people. And I, <laughs> are, you, are you British by any chance?
1: <laughs> would you guess?
4: I'm actually Welsh, but I I, would, I should be talking like that, shouldn't I? But I, but, but I'm long, long since it, in London since I was a baby, so um, uh, but you know, so I have uh, therefore I'm depressive, and um, so I needed that dark uh, grit, and I was. I find christmas like i think a lot of people do and i try to explain this to harry um because he obviously doesn't do the well obviously but he doesn't do the christmas thing will be what with him being jewish and um (laughs) i thought i'd mention that and uh but we do you know the hanukkah thing we don't do that either and um (laughs) so i was trying to explain to him that christmas as i think it is for a lot of us is both wonderful and childlike and exciting and it's also really stressful and worrying and overwhelming and it's meant Mm. to be the most perfect day with your family and the pressure's on and the expectations are too high and it's always a disappointment and it is for most people and it's a lonely time and it's a sad time if you've lost people and you can't be with people that you love or you don't have family around you so I found myself being incredibly homesick and decided that I'd invite all my friends and all my musician friends over and people like Richard Thompson and Keb Moe and and, and every every musician I could get my hands on. And then we'd all meet in in our house, drink like fools, eat uh, ridiculous amounts of food, and then we'd have a, a huge sing song after everybody had done their party piece. When I was growing up, and I bet, Lisa, you did that too, and maybe, Dylan, you did this as well, did you ever do the singing around the piano or the singing in harmony with... with of course you do, you're Irish. Well, of exactly. Of course you do. It's a
3: particularly Irish thing, that, to yes. the old
4: sing-along. We're, yes, yeah, it's a
3: crack. We, we go to sing-along classes. Um, from birth From birth
4: You're weaned in the, <laughs> in the womb you're having sing-alongs I know this All uh, the
2: babies in the ward are, are wailing With various Taking a different harmony each You see
4: <laughs> Some it's- are wearing funny hats it's Bono style And it's um, You know We're all every, All of us And I see that as a Welsh thing as well It's like that harmonising is what counts yeah. So To me the, ni- the My memories as a child of Christmas Were being at the piano And, and singing in close you know, harmonizing, it was just mm-hmm. made, breaks my heart. So the, Harry gets this, because he's a big, big musical, aren't you, Harry? And oh, I,
0: I didn't know what the rest of that sentence was oh, going to be. Oh, you big. get it. Because yeah. you're no, a, big, he's a big, big, big. Uh, big. Anyway, we, we got Easy invited. you too. come on. No, yeah, right, we are married. <laughs> we did get invited uh, one year to take that party and put it in public at on the stage of the, the then newly built Walt Disney Concert Hall, this mm-hmm. beautiful concert hall in Los Angeles. And that was the first time we'd done the show in public. And uh, when Judith got 2,000 people in the concert hall to act out the uh, 12 days of Christmas, (laughs) uh, which has become now a standard feature of our show, we knew we had something. And so uh, since then, we've been touring it around the the United States, and this is our fourth year of doing it in London. And it's always a benefit. Usually it's a benefit for the New Orleans Musicians Clinic this year. It's a benefit here for the International Red Cross's Philippine uh, Flood Relief Fund so we try to have yeah, fun yeah and but- in
4: America we're going to divvy up, it divvy up between those two things we actually the, the first year in Walt Disney Concert Hall was the year of Katrina and that's why it couldn't have been at a better time mm. because we immediately thought well we don't re- why are we moving out of being a, a, a private thing in our home and then we thought well because we can raise some money for 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 that place and we do live um, in New Orleans as well as here in London and uh and because it's very close to our hearts and because we saw the continued psychological as as well as physical you know ill health and damage to the people of new orleans as as such a musical um treasure it's such a music musical treasure it's where all this yeah. music comes from you know i mean ultimately our, our modern pop music comes from there you know so it's heartbreaking yeah
3: i think every town sort of has uh, something that it runs on yeah. and and dublin is sort of words i think you know general chats and and uh, and literature and, and poetry and that sort of thing but New Orleans always it seems like it runs on music mm-hmm. yeah?
0: the um, music is in the street uh, in a way that it's not in any other city I mean uh, people talk about that metaphorically in other cities. In New Orleans, it's literally true. Mm. Uh, you'll you'll be sitting at home getting ready to make dinner, and suddenly you hear a, 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 the boom of a distant bass drum, and you open the door, <laughs> and there's a brass band marching down your street because <laughs> there's a second line, or there's a funeral, or there's a wedding, or something's going on. The music really does. People, you, you get used to in New Orleans driving by a schoolyard in the afternoon and seeing... Ah, uh, kids sitting on the front uh, steps of the school with a trombone in their hands. <laughs> and it's like what? But yeah. they're they're basically getting ready to be in some band, you know, in the you street. You have to
3: you have to have you play an instrument. And the trombone blows my mind. Actually, it seems one of those instruments that couldn't possibly be true. <laughs> it's the ridiculous, muscle, isn't it? muscle memory I, of it, you know. Oh yeah. It,
4: it's, How do you know where the note is? Exactly. I agree, it's I like agree.
3: A, f- a fretless bass or something. Is also like a theremin.
0: Like. Try a theremin sometime.
3: Exactly. Exactly. We once we or a saw, saw.
0: <laughs> we saw a woman the granddaughter of the inventor of the theremin in uh, St. Petersburg, Russia at a concert once play Bach on the theremin. Wow. On the theremin, which How is, do you you even
3: if, begin to
0: No idea. There must be a, a downsides to having
2: a city that that is so absorbed with yeah. musicians uh in terms of people making a crust to 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 survive in a place where there's where everyone is a musician and yeah. one of the causes was the New Orleans Musicians' Musicians Clinic, which I I found, I mean, amazing to think that there is even such a thing.
0: Well, you have to remember, in the United States, there's no national health. And so you either get your insurance from your employer or uh, you buy it or you don't have it. And uh, musicians who play in clubs for a living, you know, their employers don't buy insurance and they're not making enough money to buy private insurance, so...
3: It's just the first thing uh, to go and you can't afford. That's exactly it. So
0: this this was set up... uh, before the the what we call a federal flood in two thousand five, to start giving musicians proper health uh, service, so it's a it's not just you know to get them off drugs or something like that. It's a it's a full proper service where they can get uh, treatment for themselves and their families. So it's yeah. really important to keep the music alive.
4: It is the industry of the town. You know that really, if you're mm-hmm. looking, at, you know, Hollywood's film and TV and uh, New York say, is money.
0: New York is banking.
4: Yeah, yeah. it's money. <laughs> and uh, and uh, New Orleans is the Music, food, and partying the, in the most incredible way you've ever seen. And
2: when did just... you first
0: fall for the place? Because it's it's, it's not where you're from. No. Can you tell? Uh, um, I'm from L.A. and Judith is from somewhere else. Uh, <laughs>
4: who, who can who, tell?
0: The moon. Most of, yeah, um, I call
4: myself London Welsh, that's all I can say.
0: I first went there in 88 uh, to go to Jazz Fest, which is this misnamed, uh, because it's all kinds of music, mm-hmm. uh, music festival in New Orleans. And uh, then... When I met Judith I was crossing my fingers that when I took her down there she'd like it and she
4: uh, <laughs> if I didn't, you know what I'm saying? I'd have been dropped like a hot brick. <laughs> yeah. And we'd just married, so that would have been great timing. So he took me so he took me down and um and I just thought, why don't we live here? I mean that was actually my reaction was this this is it because it's like history, the architecture, the, the vibe, food. The, the food. food. <laughs> the food again and the food And the and people. The people. Yeah. I mean every you know, it's that thing where you see odd, strange, remarkable people who at dinner will, you know, they'd, they'd bring the skeletons out of the closet and tell you the, the entire stories. And it's, again, as you say about Dublin, this is a writer's place as well. This is a William Faulkner, Tennessee Williams place where...
0: It's a storytelling town.
4: Storytelling mm-hmm. is up there with the music. Mm-hmm. And people want to want to tell you some of the weirdest things you've ever come across. It's marvellous. It's just fabulous. Yeah. Very entertaining place.
2: There's a storytelling aspect then in, in 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 the music that you make then as well. A lot of the the songs that are kind of critical of, of different aspects of U- U.S. society. But the, you're looking at me global. when you say this. Yeah, because yeah. I'm thinking of some of the 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 kind of the, the particular comedy songs. Yeah. Um, does New Orleans give you a kind of an outsider place to to look at the rest of America as it passes by in a way? Well, it's definitely
0: not. Like part of the rest of America,
4: <laughs> I would say actually it's not America. I think that's why Harry loves it. Harry yeah, and I love it
0: so much. It's like a little it's piece, a piece of the Caribbean that that broke off and floated north. <laughs> uh, no, I came by my outsider view uh, naturally. My parents were both Europeans, and so I was brought up by people who did, really didn't know America very much better than I did. So uh, it was it was up to me to figure it out, and uh, uh, so I I think. I bring that kind of mentality to uh, to watching the, <laughs> the strange passing parade that is uh, the American scene,
2: which which also then is is one of the the subjects on on Le Show as well. That mm-hmm. is the main thing. It's, it seems like Le Show, which has been running for over 30 years now,
0: almost 30 years, almost 30 years. We celebrate that is our a long 30th anniversary next Sunday. Yeah, it's a stupidly long time. Wow, that's a lot uh,
3: of hours of show.
0: Yes. Yeah, um, it's it, I've persisted, uh, despite all better judgment to the contrary, because I don't do stand-up, and so uh, it's a way of writing every week, uh, continuing to develop new characters, mm. uh, and having direct contact with an audience without having to entertain drunks. <laughs> so i think i've figured it out there's no back um, chat then either no no well i mean if you take if you read your twitter feed while you're on the air there is but i don't do that uh so uh yeah you're also
4: mean, devoted devoted to that show i, I mean, am that's why I'm, i call myself widow twanky people in britain understand <laughs> what this means because it's it's just like i remember the first thing when i went to to uh, Santa Monica, and I was there for a day. And Harry said, "Okay, um, it's the weekend, so um, yeah, I'll see you in a bit." And <laughs> off he went. And uh, and that's you know he's utterly dedicated to doing to do to doing the radio show and and it is a I think it's a remarkable thing because it's one of the rare places that you can have that outsider as you call it and that outsider view of what's going on in America it's a very rare thing because America is such a, an isolated and insulated
0: insulated place God. yeah and the other thing is that uh just the peculiarity of of my setup is I have no staff I have no producer I have no uh I've never gotten the only words I've ever gotten from management uh was recently my Los Angeles station. They said goodbye. But aside from that, <laughs> okay. n- you know, in thirty years, they say years,
4: goodbye. They say we want to put you onto the, the digital bit, onto alone the digital and stream, went- <laughs> and not,
0: not on the not on the broadcast tower. So I found a new station. But I mean, I've never had a meeting. I never have to see a memo. It's really straight between me and the audience. Nothing comes in between, and and that's so rare that mm. I. Uh, Although I, much more possible
2: with with the kind of new technologies, I suppose, to, to be able to do that on a global scale.
0: Yes, but, but then to have broadcast stations, you know, mm-hmm. actual radio uh transmitted so that people can stumble across it who you know the great yeah, thing. Okay,
2: don't rub it in. All right. No so no no, no I'm not to saying get to radio I, love, point, I love I you love know? online.
0: But, you know, um this all came to mind when when I had to change stations and I had to think about mm-hmm. it. Uh uh there are people who just don't get online you know the old and the poor among them and I didn't want to say goodbye to them and uh so uh and that thing of people stumbling across as they're going across a dial is just a a marvelous thing there's
3: a peculiar romance to the radio for sure yeah yeah yeah.
0: and I've I've always been in love with it Mm -hmm. it's very different in the U.S. radio as well it seems to this
2: side it's been destroyed
0: uh they figured out a while back that you can shove 20 minutes of commercials into an hour and people will not set fire to the transmitter uh and so radio is shock jocks and uh conservative uh yakkers mostly and then there's this thing called public radio which uh, thinks it's like the bbc it's it's like the bbc if everyone on the bbc sounded as if they were doing children's programs they talk they talk like this To the audience, and even if it's a story about a massacre in Pakistan, they talk like this, and you just go, "What is your problem?"
4: It's so true. I have, and and it's. I was so happy when I met Harry because, uh, for many reasons, but mostly because I would always bored everyone stupid, you know, going on about the BBC and about radio here and about the the culture that we have here of, of the spoken word. That's thank. Goodness, seemingly, you know, is still here and still with us. And Harry was absolutely of that of that thinking, and also grown up around that, that kind of. I mean, when radio was, I think, probably a great thing in yeah. in America. when you were a kid, yeah. and, and I was a big BBC fan, BBC radio fan. It's just sort of, there's nothing yeah, really it's a way like of it.
3: Discovering, whereas if it yeah. where if it's divvied up into smaller and smaller genres, yeah. you never hear anything that you you're not expecting to hear.
0: Well, that's so. it. That's you you the the discovery of the unexpected is. Is one of the great things that uh, broadcasting or that any experience can offer you. You know, yeah, you know what you like, but how about this? And mm-hmm. and to just stumble across it is even better. And and it's true not only for uh, for culture, but it's true of of opinions. You know, mm-hmm. people now. Tend to listen only to the things that agree with them, and is and the world is filtered through somebody who they th- they think agrees with them, and so they never hear a different view of, of the world, which is strange as well.
3: Fair and balanced is is a very is <laughs> <laughs> a wonderful idea.
0: <laughs> well, that's a slogan. That's an advertising slogan, and like all advertising slogans, it's yeah. it's a lie. <laughs> yeah, natural. Firm yeah. fresh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, but
4: provoking. I mean, I think that's the point.
0: There's a there's a BP, your your lovely oil company, uh, now has a slogan relating to you know post Gulf oil spill. Our commitment to safety has never been stronger, which is wonderful advertising ease because it's not saying it's strong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just it, saying it's never been stronger. Two, a few years ago. Yeah. <laughs> it, the, the the true that's slogan so would be it's never been strong. Yes. <laughs> but. They just, they just put the two word letters at the end. I
2: like how in the you have one of the segments is that uh, news from or Nice Corp. Uh, oh yeah. it's just as misleading as as news. It's as no news Corp. Corp. Yeah, it's um. Well, there's nothing
0: nice about Nice Corp. That's the that's sort of the joke.
2: <laughs> when they came into uh, into into your kind of the scope, the site in your uh, in in the gun that is that is the show some mm-hmm. of the time as well. Um, obviously they were connected to Fox at the time as well via News International. Mm-hmm and fox being being your employer for the for, for a lot of your career on the simpsons mm-hmm. as well yeah um equally the simpsons is regularly critical of fox has that has that led to any difficulties with management at any point
0: no i mean i think rupert murdoch doesn't care about people making fun of him all he cares about is people trying to uh, diminish his power over the world <laughs> uh, you know so so he's perfectly glad to play along with jokes uh, on the simpsons as far as what i do I've never heard anything from anybody about it. Um,
2: why is that? Do you think they're happy to let it as
0: long as it is? It as, as long
2: as the money comes in from it,
0: or why? Yeah, the, why? yeah. They care about money and power. Mm. They, they they got their eye on the ball, <laughs> well, and not on the two big balls in Covent Garden. Uh, but <laughs> you know, you. money and power.
3: Do you think Rupert Murdoch has, has heard your new record in which he features?
0: Gee, I hope so. Uh, <laughs> we have a, we have a dear friend who's a friend of Rupert's, and uh, we should make sure that he gets gets it to him oh, he hey no
4: yes that could be his Christmas present you think yeah right <laughs> I think people do like to feel uh, seem like they're, they, they're in with a gag you know what I mean and, they, and they're they bit good humoured enough and big enough that they can have yeah. a laugh at it I think that's when somebody talks about you hey it's you know it means you're you're somebody I mean I think that's the point if you if you acted like a a, a bit of a crybaby about it it really wouldn't look so good even if you do run the network I yes, think that's the course.
0: point yeah
2: is there a conflict of any kind then in in the fact that you the people who pay you to do the show mm-hmm. with, well in the case of The Simpsons anyway yes. are the same people who you're being critical of that the fact that does that lead in, any conflict in your mind
0: no that you yeah. make
2: money for those people and is it more important to get the message that's
0: critical out to a wider audience than ah uh, well it's just two heads you know there's the head that works they they pay for my talent they don't pay for my mind it's <laughs> <laughs> the way I put it you know. And so my mind is working on something else.
2: We asked some people for some to tweet us in some questions to ask you as well. Um Fergal O'Connell, uh, Fergal, one of your people. One of <laughs> it is one of our people. At Umbre Brilliant so. though is his is uh, <laughs> his Twitter handle. So he
3: seems to have rejected us at his Twitter handle. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. Um, um, umbre, umbre Brilliant as his Twitter handle says. Um, he said for all of the the commentary that The Simpsons has made on U.S. society, do you think it's made a difference?
0: Um. You know, the U.S. society is this huge... It's the, the metaphor would be like uh, a, a, a battleship and the Simpsons is a little rowboat poking, you know, trying to poke at its, at its hull uh, to steer it in a different direction perhaps and it's had about th- as much effect as, as a little rowboat poking at the hull of a battleship. I mean, U.S. society is, is uh, moved by huge forces... Uh, and the Simpsons, for all of its uh, globe-girdling international television power, is a teeny, teeny little uh, mini erg force, you know. So I would say no. I mean, it's given people a huge amount of pleasure, I think, and that's probably effect enough.
2: It was easy to be critical about America when it was when it was the Bush administration. It was such a you know an easy target for for, for obvious reasons. But when when Obama came into power, it seems certainly certainly from, from, from this side of the Atlantic anyway, and I'm sure it was in America, um, while people can put too much faith often in politicians as the agents of change, mm-hmm. still there was an idea that here's somebody who is as probably as good as you're going to get, as you can expect from
0: a president. I and guess yet, that's the bad news.
2: What does that mean then about the political sphere at large? Should we have? Is there any hope?
0: Um, you know, the American system is two political parties uh, drinking at the same trough for their money since the labor unions were destroyed for all intents and purposes. So everybody's got to go where the money is. And the money is in, you know, a few discernible places. And those people uh, don't give money to politicians for nothing, no matter what they try to tell us. Oh, I'm not buying his vote. No, you're not buying his vote. You're buying the ability to go talk to him uh, in a way that no ordinary citizen can and influence him. And uh, you see that... uh, Obama put in people uh, to run the financial side of, of the government that were complicit in the creation of the, of the disaster that we've been living through. He didn't bring in, you know, flamethrowers from the outside. He brought in... Timothy Geithner had run the New York Fed, which was present at the creation of the disaster, to run the Treasury Department. Mm. Uh, it's, it's an inside game, and it will be until the... I mean, the last election cost a billion dollars. A billion dollars to have an election well somebody's going to get something for that money mm. do you think we use then being satirical
2: as a kind of a coping mechanism because it seems it's very difficult to take anything serious anymore everything is 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 satirical in terms you know from every chat show host is hosted by a
0: comedian or a yeah woman. well i think it it it, it it's yeah. probably a defense mechanism yeah. a coping mechanism because uh the facing it straight on is too grim i mean you look at the—and I, I actually have a fix for the, for the American system, which I tell everybody I meet in, in America. You know, you, the Republicans want to amend the 14th Amendment to, to prevent people from becoming uh, citizens if they're children of immigrants. You know, if, you're, come, if your mom come across the border from Mexico and you're born in the United States, you're automatically an American citizen. They want to change that. And, and I propose, well, let them do that, but give us one. Let us insert the word "natural" into the Fourteenth Amendment. The Fourteenth Amendment was passed after the Civil War to guarantee the the rights of the Bill of Rights to everybody via the states, and it, uh, it pl- uh, gives these rights to citizens. And then the Supreme Court, about a dozen years later, ruled that corporations were legally persons, and that's why corporations get to give all this money to politicians because they have First Amendment rights. So if you put the word "natural" in, meaning people who live and die. You, you bring that to an end. But that's such a stupidly simple idea, it's never gonna happen.
2: So political donations and being at the, one of the main kind of, at the, at the heart of the big problem in in how politics work. And in, in this
0: country, I think that will probably be the case as well. You, you have here party political broadcasts that are given to every, you know, you have to, the broadcasters have to run them. In America, yeah, 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 yeah. you have to buy your way under the air. That 90% of the money to raise for politics goes to buy commercial adverts for television. It's it's just a ridiculous system. And guess who, of course, benefits and, and lobbies against any change? The broadcasters. Mm-hmm. Nice, closed system.
4: There is no doubt that historically Obama getting in is the most incredible thing. Mm-hmm. And it raised everybody's spirits, I think, in the world, because it was such an event. It's such a game-changing thing to actually see your first you know, African-American president. This is remarkable. Mm. In the history of that country, this is a remarkable thing. Um, and at the same time, he's... Uh, he is a true politician and it's also, there's a great, I feel myself, there's disappointment there because it got close on, you know, on the on the Iraq situation, now it's back into Afghanistan, Afghanistan and it's just sort of like, I, I, what?
0: Yeah, please what? what yeah What? Well,
4: how did that, you know, to me, this is like, we're back in bed again, we're back in bed in the same situation. Also,
0: also he, you know, you have to keep in mind this this sort of weird uh, kind of jujitsu thing that happens in politics uh, it took a guy who had been attacking, quote, red China for 40 years of his political career to open up to uh, America to the relations with the Chinese in the name of Richard Nixon. Similarly, Obama, who everybody thought, well, he's going to be good for African-Americans, hasn't lifted. a f- I mean, the unemployment rate for black Americans during this re- recession is worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And worse. Uh, there is a, a r- report from a whistleblower on the problems in New Orleans with the new post-Katrina system, and Obama has done a thing about it. And my theory is because uh, the the nation views the New Orleans situation as a racial one, and he doesn't want to be seen favoring black people.
3: Wasn't it a speech by by President Obama about uh, sort of perpetuating the notion of Katrina being... This natural disaster yeah. as opposed to a man-made, a
0: man-made engineering catastrophe. Yeah, yeah that,
3: uh, the, that inspired you to, to make your documentary.
0: Yeah, exactly right.
2: He comes in, Obama comes in as well on the Listers of Kill, a song where you you <laughs> you, you parody uh, Bob Dylan, which is on yeah. SoundCloud
0: if people look it up. Well, I did it because Bob Dylan came to the White House uh, and got a Presidential Medal of Freedom the day after the New York Times announced that President Obama signs off on the kill list every week of people who were attacked by drones. And I thought the 20-year-old Bob Dylan wouldn't be bending his head and accepting a medal wordlessly from this guy. He'd be writing a screed, yes, a musical he screed. He'd be hit.
4: writing Blowing in the Wind. So, and, and, and I wrote... And so I, it for him. Yeah. yeah, well, he took
0: this old <laughs> folk song melody and wrote a Masters of War. so I thought, well, I'll take that melody and write Listers of Kill. Complete with the the
2: the signature rasp as well.
0: That's <laughs> yes, where well, I did my best. I'm not the best singer in the best of times, and when I'm doing Dylan, it just gets raspier. Dad, I presume that'll be coming out on a future
2: record. Your your records, uh, your own, come out in your own label, which is called Courgette. It no, was chords.
4: Actually, that that was in the past. Yeah. Courgette is no more because we have a new uh, we have a new lab, uh, label which re- relates back to what I was saying about me being a widow twanky. Uh, it's actually called Twanky Records. Parentheses. <laughs> we're behind you. <laughs> so it's going to be our, our, our releases. Yet um, I have a record coming out next, uh, that'll be coming out over here as well next year, which because I've reunited James Taylor and Carol King's original band and put them together and made records. That'll be the first release and then many more of Harry's and I'll be doing the duets record with Judy Fordham and myself and so on and so forth. So it'll just, you know, more and more and more.
2: Okay, well, we'll, we'll hopefully, we, maybe we can get a song from from you both in a minute. But before before we let you go on that can we uh, ask you as is our vibe here as a cultural show um, This like is a cultural th- show? Apparently Who'd yeah. uh, <laughs> have, have thought we just talked about <laughs> politics for a while um, but maybe you could pick out some things that, uh, that that you'd like to bring to our attention that have been on your radar recently
0: um, Maureen Lipman and I were in a play together and we went off to see a, a movie one afternoon uh, which uh, hasn't gotten a lot of attention but it's quite a, quite a nice little film uh, it's called Enough Said with Julia Louis-Dreyfus and James Gandolfini. It was the last thing James Gandolfini did. And uh, it's a quiet little comedy-drama about two people, both of whom have been married before, uh, kind of falling in and out of love. Uh, Female director, I don't think a man could have directed this movie. Uh, And Julia is brilliant and... uh, I had never seen The Sopranos, so uh, my first chance to see Gandolfini act, and it was it's, it's quite a wonderful film. And then I'm, I'm a judge in the, in the Directors Guild uh, d- uh, documentaries category, and I've seen a film uh, called The Square, which is about uh, Tahrir Square in Cairo and the people who've been involved in all that for the last two and a half years, uh, struggling to make a revolution and losing it and trying to regain it, and it's a wonderful documentary. So, those would be my two.
4: Um, my cultural uh, tip would be uh, get on YouTube and check out uh, Jacob Collier, oh, yeah. um, who is the most, he is the big thing of the future. There's no doubt about it. He is 18. He's in the Royal Academy here. He does a version all by himself, a cappella, like it just blows every other a cappella group out of the water. Um, he does a lot of Stevie Wonder covers, and this is cool. Don't you worry about a thing. And if you go to YouTube, and you see him doing the whole thing and he breaks up the screen as well so you can see all the parts that he's playing, instruments as well as his own voice. Um, you you will not believe what you are hearing and seeing. He is going to be huge. What's his name again? Jacob
0: Collier. Jacob
4: Collier. He's like a
0: one-man-take-six and he plays all the instruments.
4: And he looks like a better-looking Justin Bieber. This kid is <laughs> insane. I loathe and love him. And he is I star
2: because um, because I spent most of my my childhood in a cupboard. I haven't seen lots of films, and one of the things we do each week is Lisa sets a film for me to watch as homework that I ought to have seen that I should.
3: A couple of weeks ago, I found out that he, Dylan hadn't seen This Is
0: My. Oh my god! <laughs> and yet, and but, yet, I could.
3: And yet, you could quote so much of it, yeah. and you knew so many references to it, and you know that's what was so interesting. But you realise that actually that film is beyond. It's it's not a cult film. It's not. It's actually entered itself into the lexicon of, oh, yeah. Yeah, of
2: and if anyone life. does anything starish in any way everyone goes oh that's so spinal tap yeah uh, it, it's yeah.
4: in it's literally it's in the Oxford Dictionary I do believe in the Webster Dictionary mm. and every single as, as a you know you know this Lisa as a musician it's like every situation you find yourself in is tap everything that goes wrong Every ridiculous situation you find yourself in—it's tap. Tap became tap. I mean, even you yeah, guys. Yeah, when on the we went on the road,
0: we were going, "Oh God, we made fun of this, and now we have to live through it again." <laughs> but I want to give you—I want to give you a covered film if you haven't seen it yet, *Doctor Strange Love*. Oh. Go okay. see *Doctor Strange Love*. Yes. Okay. Go see *Doctor Strange Love*. So it's, good. It's. Lisa's seen everything She's it's just effing, Nodding along It's effing here. brilliant That's all I can say uh, Okay well,
4: good And one of our other favourites Which I don't know What was called here Was it Belleville Rendezvous I think it was called here And it's a total It's an animations animation Animated film Do you, you speak
0: English? No <laughs> Not today I'm It's the animations
4: a, <laughs> the animations Genius <laughs> <laughs> so I'm actually a baritone And French yeah. today It's amazing What happened I don't know But it it's, it's the size of my nose And my lips That's what happened So it is the most remarkable
0: film Correct Harry? Yeah and great music too
2: Well I, I was definitely improved By uh, Spinal Tap <laughs> Improved <laughs> I mean I actually think You genuinely do learn A lot about the music industry From oh, yeah. it In quite a quite it's a real way Despite oh, yeah. it
0: Well because it is all real We didn't make anything up no. I mean all that stuff is real It does really, hap- really happen uh, To us or to people we know uh, It's <laughs> Why make it up It's The business is so strange anyway You know
4: It is that Awful. Yeah.
0: And is exactly. it true
3: that you met while you were in full Derek Smalls gear? Well, well sized no, no, not quite.
0: I wasn't wearing the wardrobe, but we were on tour, and I so I had the hair extensions and the facial hair. Okay. It was in the
4: 90s, <laughs> and it was, and I was playing at some hideous. Um, a piano bar because I was broke and, and totally desperate and i just done a, a week at, at Ronnie Scott's and I was feeling quite smug and then here I am playing for you know doing a marathon again to earn money and um, and I finished one of my songs and people have asked me do I know asking me do I know anything from cats and I feel like it's the end of my life and then I turn around and there's this enthusiastic applause and standing behind me is Harry with full Derek length <laughs> hair and the mutton chops and the moustache
2: and the courgette which might have no might you didn't have, 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 the have did and I like, do not know. I okay. like what
4: you're implying there. And and Chris Guest and a little person from Stonehenge. And that's what I turn around and see, and I just thought, that's it. Things do not get better than this. This is the, I'm and an she important had, moment and in my she life. And she had
0: her choice but um, from among Christopher Guest, me, well, and, taken, and a dwarf. To so. be fair, he was married to Jamie Lee <laughs> yeah. Curtis, no competition. Well,
4: yeah. but, the, um, but no, but actually I had the choice of Danny, the elf, and Harry. And Harry, actually, there's no competition there.
0: No, there was no I stood head and shoulders above the elf. <laughs> Uh, you keep going, uh, it's,
2: and app no. keeps going. It's, it's. I mean, that is a joke that has 25 years you, later. You're on Glastonbury stage.
0: Yeah, yeah. Isn't that amazing?
2: Could you have? Could you have ever thought that a joke would go that far?
0: No, no. Nobody in their right mind would think that. We we almost didn't get the film released. I mean, it was such a, a, a fraught experience to try to get the film out of this studio that was uh, treading water on its way to bankruptcy. As we as we were getting out to theaters, so it was it was amazing happenstance fluke that the film got out in the first place. And it and started
3: a whole sort of mockumentary Yeah,
0: yeah.
2: That was one of Fest, the questions actually uh, that came in yeah. from Peter McGann. How do you feel about the mockumentary boom that was born from top?
0: The boom The boom of mockumentaries, <laughs> the great boom I, The great boom. Uh, it keeps me up at night the boom does uh, <laughs> <laughs> Stop that boom! I keep yelling. Are you they, blushing they, don't, Jesus. They, they listen not to me um, You know, <laughs> Anything that that can be seen to have that, those kind of ripples, you've got to be proud of that you have, an, you know, so much stuff gets done that just, you know, uh, in, especially in this noisy uh, media landscape we live in now, that you have any impact at all, you have to feel proud. And the fact that we have an impact and the people are aping us and they're not going out and shooting people <laughs> in the course of aping us uh, makes me very happy. Great. Well, we
2: are very happy that you did both meet uh, that that time when you <laughs> wear a dress like that, and that you did choose Harry of all people because we got yeah. to to hear you collaborate and, and play a song. And oh, I think so Lisa, maybe you can you sing with them.
3: My pleasure.
2: Is it, it being D minor if you want to get <laughs> the tears? <laughs> wow. That's right. Now. <laughs> There's something to warm the cockles. Our own Lisa Hannigan with Harry Shearer and but, Judith Owen. Thanks for coming in, guys. The cockles and the muscles. <laughs> alive, alive, out.
0: You feel left out, wow. don't you? Yeah, it was love, your choice.
3: You were conducting.
2: I was, I was, Actually,
0: I was swaying, To
4: be fair, you were weeping like a girl on the <laughs> other side
0: of the desk. No, he's weeping like a
2: man. Oh, oh, weeping okay, like a man. Sorry, yeah, there's nothing to wrong. get, there's no need to get gender no specific. There, for there the was
4: part. no need to get personal. <laughs> Thank you.
2: Oh uh, Well, let's tell us about the that, show that's happening. Just remind us again the details. It's on the 30th of November. Uh, the, the date, it's in London.
4: In London. It's the Leicester Square Theatre, which is fantastically central. 9.45, it's a lady, so it means that we can actually be quite lewd. It's a very <laughs> um, reverent, but also obviously irreverent show. And you can tell by the bill, which I think includes, are we so lucky or what? Rob Brydon... Amazing. Maureen Littman, obviously, Harry Shearer, myself.
0: Alice Russell, the Amazing. great Alice, Alice Russell. Russell. Danny Thompson, the legendary oh. bass player. Uh Jackie, Dankworth, Jackie Dankworth
4: singer, extraordinaire, Charlie, Charlie Wood. Wood is on piano. Uh, Alex Lowe
0: in his character as Barry from Watford will be doing a, a, a monologue or two. Uh, <laughs> oh yes indeed. Uh, so it's a great mixture of comedy and music.
4: And there'll be special guests who will turn up on the night and uh, and we just encourage everybody to come and support because as Harry said, it is it, it is in support of the International Red Cross. And Philippine then Judith Relief. in
0: the second half of the show, Judith forces people to sing Christmas carols and gives them crap prizes. <laughs> I wouldn't want to go.
4: <laughs> you got to go. You have to go. I mean, when I say crap prizes, I mean Santa Claus toilet rolls. How who doesn't need that? I don't Last, think I don't think I,
0: he's he's caviling at the prizes. I think he's caviling at the singing. Oh, yeah. the singing. Uh, oh no,
4: but the it, it, the prizes are for best um 12 days of Christmas mime. I do t- divide the room up into 12 areas and uh, and people mime their parts. The most pornographic of which obviously is eight maids of milking. And um yes. and the best of those win come up and win seriously rubbish
0: prizes. But but to your point, a guy came up to us after we did the show in Seattle one year and he said when my girlfriend told me I, uh, we were going to a Christmas sing along I said why don't you just stick forks in my eyes right now. That would be my, that will be my yes. reaction to too. And he yeah. said but having seen the show I'm, now I'm coming every year. So there you go.
3: Yeah. See? Okay. It sounds like a brilliant evening, I must say.
2: And oh. if people aren't in London, you're doing a show over Christmas on Radio 2, BBC Radio
0: 2. Yes, I it's a, a fantastic title. I, I think it comes on right after Christmas. It's Harry Shearer's Vinyl Tap, uh, a walk through my uh, 10,000 LP record collection. 10,000 yeah. LP? That's
2: insane, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, crazy. Bloody
0: hell. Yeah. Where do you keep them? Do you scatter them across... I, I just fly helicopters and scatter them. No, they're, they're in our... Having big vinyl
2: rat collections is, is one of the big pains about having to move house, I suppose. As oh, well. God, but this is doesn't move. We don't move house. Just leave it. We'll, we'll never leave move it. house. It's, it's, Harry's
4: going to be buried in, in the vinyl collection. It
2: sits in Los Angeles, no matter where we are. <laughs> OK, well, Harry, Shearer and Judith Owen, thank you both for coming in very much thank and you. thank you oh, for listening. thanks both.
4: Thank, thank you so you. much for having us. Thank you.
2: Um, if you are enjoying the series as well, please do tell some more people about it and pass on the link. The easiest way to get to the show via iTunes is bit.ly forward slash And if you'd like to contact us, our Twitter handle is probably the best way to get in touch with us. It's at soundingspod. And to keep
3: things in the Christmas spirit, we're going to leave you with a version of White Christmas by Judith and Julia Fordham. Bye-bye.
1: Goodbye. The sun is shining, the grass is green The orange and palm trees sway There's never been such a day In Beverly Hills, LA But it's December the 24th